Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. Portions of the Oilers Now podcast are brought to you by ProAmSports.ca. We return to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Brought to you by Digitex. Office supplies at huge savings? Yeah, Digitex does that. D I G I T E X dot C A on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. 12.34 in Edmonton. Bob Stoffer with you along with Brad Whisker back at the 630 Chad studios and Dustin Kaufman, who is uh, opping uh, our show live from Rogers Place, where tonight Canada takes on Slovakia. In the Gretzky Holinka tournament, Canada bombing the Swiss 10 0 last night. Canada with 11 players at the Western Hockey League. Dylan Cousins, a six foot three right shot center slash right wing. And Kirby Dock, a six foot three right shot slash right wing. Uh, Cousins with Lethbridge and Dock with uh, the Saskatoon Blades. They were very impressive last night. Uh, Alexis Lafreniere. Also uh, put on quite the show. Had a couple of assists. It was dangling. He is the consensus number one pick for the 2020 draft. Probably, I would say, just from Canada alone, uh, modestly, you could say six to eight first-round picks the upcoming 2019 NHL draft. 2018 draft was just down in Dallas where we saw our old, our old friend, former Edmonton Oiler, Al May. Hello, Al. How you doing? I'm doing great and sweating very profusely down here in Dallas, Texas right now. It's cruising at about 100 degrees, so I wish I was back home in Edmonton right now. I'm going to tell you something. When we were down there for the draft, it was between 95 to 103, and it was stinking hot. So Yeah, it's it's been the worst year here that I can remember. I actually flew in from Vegas from the awards show to Dallas that weekend. I couldn't believe how awful it was here because normally you get a little bit of a relief from Vegas. and. It just hasn't quit, so it's been nasty, and that's all people are talking about right now is how hot it's been here. All right. Well, uh, let, let me ask you this: the Washington Capitals. When we just we just had Peter Shrelly on, and as you know, Al, last summer when we talked about the Edmonton Oilers, we talked about a hockey team that people thought was going to be a Western Conference favorite, did not come to fruition. The Winnipeg Jets extended Kevin Shoveldayoff and Paul Maurice, and there were lots of criticism around the hockey circles when that occurred in September. And I don't think a lot of people thought after Washington loaded up and went for it, then lost a bunch of bodies, that the Capitals would be poised and in position to pounce back a year after getting beaten a couple years in a row by Pittsburgh, the eventual Stanley Cup champions, to finally win a Stanley Cup. I guess that shows you you can't predict what's going to happen in this game, can you? No, not at all. And you you look at the amount of rookies that Washington threw in the lineup last year, and it drastically changed the makeup of the team. But I think the big thing was they were able to adapt to the rule changes, the coaching staff and the players. And last year, and I, I honestly believe that's really what hit the Oilers. They were they were. I was very impressed with them two years ago at the style of hockey they were playing. They were a nice blend of speed with some players, and then physicality and a heaviness to the way they played. But they put in new rules last year, the enforcement of the stick penalties, the enforcement of everything obstruction. And as ticky-tack as they seem, they really didn't let up. And Edmonton got so far backward, I guess, in October, November, and December, by the time they eased up on some of those calls that they never recovered because it became more of a skater's game where speed is kind of the oxygen of the game now. And we've said that 
for years, but not until last year was that more evident. But I, I think the combination of the style of play that Edmonton was prepared to play for, the rule changes, that really hurt them and it benefited a team like New Jersey because they, I, I did not think they were going to have the year they had. But they had all these young skaters in there, and they weren't going to be a, a, a trapping team anymore. They weren't going to be a, you know, a clutch and grab. And the Oilers were kind of built that way, and they, they weren't able to adapt in time. So you never know what can go on in the offseason. You never know what the owners and GMs and, you know, these guys kind of have themselves to blame for the different rules that they want put in place. But there is a cause and effect to every rule addition or rule enforcement within the National Hockey League. All right. Well, wait a sec here. Yeah, Washington was a skating team, but come playoff time, I think they bullied their way through the Eastern Conference playoffs, and a guy like Tom Wilson played a massive factor in that, L. Well, you know what? One of the things that Tom Wilson doesn't get credit for is how fast he can skate. Yes. And with the ability where you cannot, you take the ability to, to hook and hold away and, and to slow a guy down, uh, you know, he's not going to get to his hits. But when he gets there, you know, back when I played, there was, there was so much hooking and holding. Actually, every body check was kind of a hook and you'd ride a player into the board. I think the injuries were less severe at that time from the body checks. But, you know, you can't hold players up anymore. So you look at Tom, who is one of the fastest cap skate, skaters in a straight line, and he was virtually unstoppable. But at the same time, I, I think they showed an incredible amount of discipline after the first two games of the playoffs that they lost to Columbus and lost those because of, you know, undisciplined play and they were in the penalty box. But they knew when to use their speed, and they knew when to use their speed on defense. So they used it on the attack. They used it on the floor check. And when they didn't have 100% certainty to get to a hit or get to a puck, they backed off into a 1-1-3, but they used speed to pressure the puck. And I think just by being so disciplined in every facet of the game, knowing when to use their speed, uh, it, it enabled them to win the Stanley Cup. And, you know, don't forget, they got some of the most talented players in the league uh, that hadn't won, and, you know, they finally all put it together all at the same time and were able to get the game-winning goals they needed, the goaltending they needed, and, you know, just the team commitment uh, to defense and sac- physical sacrifice all came around at the same time. So, you know, for me, it was very fortunate to be able to cover and watch all the time, and, you know, more so for the Caps players. If, you know, they're going to be fitted for Stanley Cup rings. They're all going to get their name on the cup, and I, it's pretty outstanding what they were all able to accomplish together. They did do it together, but a key piece is now gone. Tell us and educate our listeners about the potential impact, or if there is one, of losing Barry Trotz. Well, you know what, Barry Trotz, it was the first year that I think he ever changed his coaching style and the things that he was doing. And, you know, he, he wasn't able to play it safe last year with a veteran lineup. Uh, you know, I think he started to do things differently because he was finally realized, you know, he had to do things different. And, he, he was making changes, you know, in years past, the power play had never changed. They, they started changing it. In the second game of the playoffs, they started making, you know, little tweaks to it. The penalty killing had to be tweaked in the Tampa series, and they did it. And they hadn't done that stuff in the past. They were usually a day late uh, in making these changes, and there is no game eight after a game seven. So, you know, they, they were you – know, Barry had a, a great impact last year. I think moving lines around, you know, not just sticking with the line, you know, and the goaltending situation, having – you know, the, the, the balls, I guess, that they put Braden Holpe back in that after we started Grubauer. But I, I really thought it was a masterful job by him. But at the same time, as great a job as he did coaching and the players, too, listening to everything he did and, and performing and executing. I think Todd Reardon, the, the new coach, is a guy that had the players here the entire time. And, and, you know, the improvement on defense and guys like John Carlson getting better and better every year under his tutelage, it'll be seamless. Uh, in the change, but, you know, they're going to have everyone gunning for them. But, you know, Barry brought so much structure and accountability to the franchise, and not just to the players, 
I, I think to the entire front office of the team, even the ownership, I think there was a trickle-down effect from, you know, what he brought as a man to that organization. And I, I think that part will be will be there, even though he's gone. I think he showed everyone how he wants them to act and carry themselves. And the players now know what success is and how to get there, that they're going to definitely want to follow all those little things that the players picked up under his guidance. And I think it'll still be there, even though Barry will not. We're joined by longtime Washington Capitals analyst Al May, who had a cup of coffee with the Oilers organization. He willed himself to the NHL. Very different game now. There's no question about that. Uh, less relevant than ever before. Do you miss it a bit? Uh, you know what? I actually enjoyed this playoff run more than when I played. You know, just being around the team and being a part of it for all these years and the frustration. Uh, I didn't miss playing. Uh, a little bit envious of the guys getting to skate around at the cup, but I am right. envious every year when they got the uniform on, they get to hoist it. And you know, it, it's uh, it's been a long time ago. It's almost like I didn't play now, and I, <laughs> I still have to remind myself that in my past life, I did play in the NHL, and you know, I played for a while and had an incredible time. But you know, it, it's been pretty fun to be a part of a really good hockey team, a, a pretty solid franchise, and. Then to see the guys that you you know you, you do because we are I'm not paid by the Capitals uh, but that, that is our broadcast partner I was I'm a heavily involved in the alumni so it was incredibly be, be around that be a part of and see the joy in the city after so many years of frustration. The guy that led the uh, joy, and maybe there's some irony given the current political situation in the U.S. is a Russian, uh, Alexander Ovechkin. Tell us something that the average listener right now would not know about Alex Ovechkin. Well, for all of the things that we've seen uh, written about him and said and, and heard said about him uh, over the years, it, it just goes to prove that all of those things were BS. They were garbage. They were fabrications. The guy that, you know, here's a Russian guy. They said he didn't care about the playoffs. He didn't care about his team. Only individual accomplishments, but I look at last year, and he never, never he's he's a winger, he's not a centerman, but he reminded me so much of Mark Messier last year. The determination he came with in training camp, he started to go out of his way to make players accountable in the dressing room and make him. He was he's always held himself accountable. He's always taken the losses personally and blamed himself for past playoff failures, even though he was the only guy really going every single season. But I, I look at his commitment in the playoffs to doing every little thing uh, to, to block shots, to have other guys block shots, to get back in the back check. He was the Caps' probably most predominant back checker, you know, knowing when to back off on the hits, knowing when to back off on the attack. And I think his commitment to the defensive play as a leader to do it and show everyone they had to do it as well was what sticks out with me most watching that playoff run. And then still, you know, putting the pressure on himself to, to score those big game-winning goals. But the way he shares every goal with his teammates reminds me of Mark and how Mark, every time someone scored a goal, it was a party. It wasn't just when Mark scored. He was just as happy and even more so when other players scored. And I think that's one thing people don't realize about Ovechkin. Uh, the Capitals re-signed Tom Wilson to a six-year deal, a five-point, basically a $5.2 million cap hit. Now, there's a caveat. He can skate, and that's something that you alluded to here that's important, is the guy can still move pretty well. you have any concerns over that contract? Well, one of the things that, that, that I'm going to just jump around a little bit, I remember a few years ago we wanted Tom Wilson to be a lot more like Milan Lucic and, you know, be rugged, and, you know, the, we thought the game was going to you know, yep. continue going that way, and now I think more people want Milan Lucic to be more like Tom Wilson, and 
you know, getting up and down the ice as fast as he does and, and being a difference maker on a four check. And, you know, Tom's a huge part of the Caps' penalty kill, which is surprising because everyone thinks of him as a penalty getter, not a penalty killer. But as far as that contract's concerned, it's the one of all that Brian McClellan has signed where I thought it's a touch too much and it's a touch too long. But they're taking a gamble, and this guy, I'm assuming, is going to be the next captain when Ovechkin leaves, if and when he leaves. Uh, he's got leadership qualities that have rubbed off on him. He's uh, been a student of Brooks Orpix his entire time there. So uh, the salary cap always seems to go up. It never goes down. Uh, they know what they have him locked in at. I still don't know the particulars yet on if there's a no-trade component in there or if he's free to be traded every year. Uh, but, you know, it's the one contract I thought was a touch too high. But then again, he's a Stanley Cup champion, was such a huge part of it, uh, is a terrifying player. And then probably the end of that contract, it won't seem like it's a lot of money. Even, you know, in everyday life it is, but in the NHL world, it may not be a lot of money when it's all said and done. You know, we're hopeful, everyone in the league is hopeful, and I'm hopeful as a Canadian that the economy picks up up there, the Canadian dollar elevates, and, you know, that'll be a lot more in the salary cap for the players. Uh, that doesn't really concern the fans, but I think as, you know, Canada's economy gets better, a contract like that doesn't seem as bad. Yeah, uh, modified uh, no-movement clause for the final four years of the DLL, according to CapFriendly.com. Bob Stauffer with you, joined by Al May. Al, the show is called Oilers now. What are your thoughts on uh, Edmonton? Do you, do you, I mean, they didn't make, we just had Peter Shirelli on. It was a relatively quiet offseason. I mean, they, they made the coaching change and added a lot of experience to that staff. And uh, I, I think you played against Manny uh, Viveros in junior. You know how good he was uh, back in the day. And he runs an incredible power play with Swift Current. But just your thoughts on, uh, you know, could the Oilers, I mean, I see Edmonton as a team that's going to get back in the playoffs this year. But I'd like to get your thoughts. Well, they, they certainly, when you look at some of the, the players that they have, they, I think they have the star power, but they need to get everyone in line with how the game is being played right now. And they were caught by surprise last year. I felt the coaching staff wasn't prepared for it. And, you know, therefore the trickle-down effect with the players and the roster that they had. But everyone knows now that they've got to play a different brand of hockey. You can't hook and hold. You can't cheat the game. You know, and the things that they wanted to do, they're not going to be able to do. Now, everyone knows what the rules are coming in, what the rule enforcement was last year. And I think it's up to every player on that roster to find a way to be relevant, to be able to play the game. Uh, I can't see how a team that went basically the same roster the year before and then to last year, you know, how, how, how they didn't make the playoffs and how they weren't able to adapt. But I think they've had time. They still have a lot of great youth there. I, I think you look at Poole Jarvi. Uh, he's a player that, you know, gained, started gaining confidence, expect bigger things out of him. But the youth of that team has got to start standing up and making making their presence known. And I think when the, the younger players, and even a Ryan Nugent Hopkins, you know, his value has never been greater. Of course, Connor McDavid is the best single best player in the game. Uh, but everyone's got to get on the same page. And the coaching staff's got to be able to make sure when they get out of preseason that they're able to play the game the way it needs to be played, use more speed, more net penetration, making sure the special teams are, are important every game and successful. But I, I see them being a team that's going to be scratching and clawing. They're going to be there with the Calgary Flames, uh, you know, trying to find one of those wild card spots, I believe. And they've got a lot, they've got their work cut out for them. But as long as they have the leadership of McDavid and the other players, they've got to fall in line and know what their strengths are. Uh, I see them being a team that should be in the playoffs next year. Uh, Al, uh, just uh, the biggest news in the offseason was the signing by the Toronto Maple Leafs of John Tavares. And that directly affects you guys in Washington. Um, now, it's interesting because the Leafs lost Bozak and Van Riemsdyk. 
but the one, two, three punch down the middle, if you factor in, you know, a, a pretty effective player by the name of Nazem Kadri along with Austin Matthews, you could argue, I don't I don't think it is an argument. I think they have the top three centers in the league, one through three, because Kadri's been a 30-goal scorer multiple times. What's your take on, uh, on on the Maple Leafs? I mean, are they are they now the favorite in the Eastern Conference? And I say that no, knowing that Washington's taken them out the last two years. Well, I, I, be, I beg to differ on the three centermen because I look at Evgeny Kuznetsov has never received his due. He showed in the playoffs that he's one of the best players in the league. I expect him to be at the top of the scoring heap this year now that he understands the importance of being an everyday player that he's going to be battling with David for the scoring title this year. And you have Nicholas Backstrom in the two-hole, one of the best two all-around centers in the game, who's legitimately a number one on pretty much every team yep. in the league. And then Lars, Lars Eller last year was incredible. But I look at the Maple Leafs, I don't have them favored to win the conference. Uh, they still have the same defensive group that they had the year before. And that's the biggest weakness they've had. A couple of years ago, they gave the Caps fits in the first few games of the playoffs, and then the Caps just made their defense play the game and uh, they weren't able to, to, to hold the fort. So I, I still see problems there in the back end, and when teams get the puck down low, uh, even though they've got another guy in John Tavares, they've still got to learn how to play in their own zone. I think they need a huge upgrade still in, in their defensive unit. Uh, they're, they're not where they need to be. Well, they will be a better team. Tavares definitely will help. Uh, but at the same time, you know, I, I still think that they need a lot of work on the defensive end of the game. Which team is, I mean, more of a question mark for you in terms of the other way? Carolina, with some of the changes that they've made, or Ottawa? Well, you know, I, I just, I, I think definitely that both of those teams, I still think they're both in trouble. I, I'm not big on the, the trade that, I've watched those players that Calgary got from Carolina, and I believe, you know, I'm not sure how many people believe, but I believe that. Calgary got the best of that deal. And yeah. they're going to be these players that become household names. Hannafin, if he's on any other team outside of Carolina, everyone knows who he is. And, you know, he's going to have different numbers the way they play. He's got a coach that loves him. Uh, I just think that what they're going to be able to do in Calgary with those players. But I, I still think that Carolina's in a boatload of trouble. Uh, they've traded their better players away. Ottawa has such an upheaval there. I, I, I look at those teams looking at a lottery pick still. So I think the Rangers, of the teams that may be a surprise, there's a lot of speed when you see the New York Rangers and with a, a different group coaching and what's going to go on there. I think the Rangers are going to surprise some people because they got a, a fast roster. Uh, they're going to be learning on the fly, and teams are going to have to adapt to. You know, there's basically a youth movement there, but these players are incredible that they have up and coming right now. So I think the Rangers are going to be a lot better than people realize. Uh, Al, one final one for you. I don't know how. Do you ever catch yourself going on YouTube and watching old hockey fights? Because there's not as many now, obviously, as there used to be back when you played. I mean, from '86 to '92, there was more fighting in the NHL at that time than any other time in NHL history. Uh, people think, oh, the Broad Street Bullies in the '70s. No, no, no. Like it was, there was, and there was way more one-on-one -on -one fighting when you played. But uh, if if there are there a couple of guys you used to like to or you know, maybe they're guys that you, you battled once in a while that you, you you like to watch on YouTube to to give yourself to. Oh yeah, I remember that time that guy fought that guy. Anything you ever you ever catch yourself doing that, or do you just try to forget all that stuff? No, you know what I, I do. You know, someone will remind me about a fight, and then you, you get on one of those YouTube links or store almost like a story, and you just start watching fight after fight of guys you played against and. You look at some of them, and you wonder how some guys are still walking around today the way they fought. You know, they 
they were eating punches and delivering punches at the same time, and it seemed like every single fight they did that. But, you know, you always see the Dave – I always end up myself watching the Dave Brown fights, and I can't believe that I used to fight the guy. And a six foot five lefty who seemed like he hated hated the world when he played the game and just annihilated people. But I, I look at that, and I can't believe I used to do it. And I look how scary some of these guys were. And uh, I, I would be worried if I was a parent watching my kid play the game and play that style of hockey. So it's uh, Dave Brown's usually the guy I catch myself watching when I when I do get uh, you know hooked on a, a YouTube stream. Cold. He was a cold blooded assassin. Al. He could put you down, couldn't he? Uh, absolutely, yeah. and, and now it, I like just bumping into him in the arena and ha- having a drink with him and not having to worry about any of that stuff. <laughs> awesome stuff. Hey, thanks, Al, for your time. We'll touch base down the road. All right, take care, Bob. Thanks. You bet. That's Al May, longtime Washington Capitals broadcaster, of course. Played over 400 games in the National Hockey League. You can text us at 630-630. Al May is right. If Jenny Kuznetsov is, in my opinion, the second-best center in the NHL, and he'll be second in the league scoring next year. He's legit from Sean. Sean, I'm not denying it. He's a hell of a player. Wasn't big on the little, you know, the eagle or whatever it was. He's a hell of a player. Matt says, Bob, you and Al are wrong. The Pens still have the best one, two, three punch down the middle with Crosby, Malkin, and Broussard. I think the Kings could put themselves in that position with Kopitar, Carter, and Kempe for Matt. Again, you can text us at 630-630. So, who's got, who's got the top two and who's got the top three centers in the National Hockey League? And where does the combination of McDavid and Dreisaitl fit in the mold. We'll get back with that. It's 12.55 in Edmonton, and we are live at the Holinka Gretzky Tournament here at Rogers Place. Bob Stoffer with you on Oilers Now. When you want to fly your Oilers colors with fan gear or outfit your fan cave, there's only one place. ProAmSports.ca Jerseys, apparel, headwear, and memorabilia from your favorite players and teams. Whether it's the NHL, the CFL, the NFL, MLB, or more, ProAm Sports are your fan cave specialists. And if it comes with a Pro Pro-Am Sports Certificate of Authenticity and Hologram, you know it's 100% authentic, hand-signed memorabilia. So no matter who you cheer for, Pro-Am Sports has got your guy. Visit their Edmonton showroom on St. Albert Trail. Fill your fan cave at proamsports.ca. That's proamsports.ca. This is Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. Welcome back, everybody. It's 12.58 in Edmonton. Bob Stoffer with you on Oilers Now. And we are live at Rogers Place where Canada takes on Slovakia tonight at uh, 7 o'clock here at Rogers Place. It's the best pizza in the city. Still making a great Royal Pizza. Multiple locations in Edmonton to serve you, including the original Royal Pizza in Old Strathcona. Royal Pizza has been Edmonton owned and operated now for 48 plus years. Stoffer recommendation at Royal Pizza is the Mediterranean Chicken. Royal Pizza now up to 15 locations in Edmonton. Visit royalpizza.ca for location nearest you. Off to a global news weather traffic update with Eileen Bell. Paul Carson coming up from Hockey Canada. And uh, Mark Spector, Stoffer Inspector for Horse Racing Alberta, coming down the pipe as well in hour number two. Peter Shirelli and Al May were our guests in hour number one, live from Rogers Place. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad.